We're in Psalm 34 this morning, which we weave in some of the Psalms in 1 Samuel as they happened in David's life. David is in the midst of running from Saul. He runs from Saul, but is the palace guards of Saul are with him and they seek to kill David. Jonathan, Saul's son, and David, they've hatched up a little scheme of how to determine if Saul really intends to kill David. David has no questions in his mind. He's convinced that Saul wants him dead. But Jonathan, Saul's son, isn't totally sure Dad wants to kill David. So in their scheme, David will be absent when all the king's men gather at the three-day new moon feast in Saul's palace. David isn't there, but Saul is very angry that David is missing. And he's so angry that David is gone, he tries to kill his own son by throwing a spear at him because Jonathan has been so bold as to ask, why should David be killed? What has he done? But Saul doesn't need a reason to justify hatred. And neither does anyone else. We we can hate, and there's no reason or logic in it. And we just, we see hate expressed around our world today. But Saul in his moments, in those little windows of clarity in his own life, has acknowledged that David has loyal intentions towards him. But when Saul is left to himself, and, and by the persuasion of the evil spirit that now haunts him, Saul, time and time again, he will yield to the intentions of these evil thoughts and this evil spirit. Saul is in an altered state of mind, and in his mind he must kill David. David is completely convinced Saul wants him dead, and David is correct. And David now flees Saul, and he flees him in fear. Jonathan, David's true friend, is also now completely convinced his father wants David dead. And perhaps the greatest friendship in all of the Old Testament, maybe in all the Bible, draws to a close as David and Jonathan part ways, never to see each other again. Consider David and Jonathan, both men of renown, both men of uh, power and influence, could have formed and an alliance, a coup against King Saul. But that's not in either man's character to do that. 
they could have produced, in my humble opinion, a civil war in Israel. And there would have been many that would die of needless bloodshed. But David, he's caught up in fear. And that's a dreadful place to be. To review his behavior for a moment, David, acting out of his normal character, he lies to Ahimelech, the priest, about being on a secret mission from Saul. And then he asks Ahimelech for a sword, and he's given the sword that he himself took from Goliath. Then David shamefully fakes insanity. He's drooling on himself. He's before the Philistines, the king of the Philistines, or king of Gath there. And he causes Achish, the king of Gath, to proclaim, Have I need of a man-man that you, my servants, have brought this fellow to play the madman before me? Why have you brought this guy that is insane, why have you brought him before me? Now consider, David is the future great king of Israel. And David is dishonoring himself before a pagan king. And it's all because of fear. It's important for us to keep our emotions under control, especially fear. If you dwell on a fearful subject to yourself, it can own you. And you can find yourself uh, dreading whatever's coming forward. You can act bizarre, insane before your enemies like the Philistines. But during David's hour of humiliation, he writes several psalms. And Psalm 34, which we are going to jump into, is one of the psalms that David wrote while he is caught up in the emotions of fear. Verse 1 of chapter 34 of Psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and delivers them. David has done some soul searching. He is now in a repentant phase, or a repentant time before the Lord, because of his fearful behavior. 
And in verse 1 he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. David, he has realized his sins. And notice he doesn't run and hide. He confesses and repents. It's been said that your spirituality can be judged in the amount of time that it takes you to realize that you have sinned and realize you need to repent. David repents quickly. Sometimes we will go through a, a stretch of time where we try to do pent, penance before the Lord, do good before the Lord, where we can then approach the Lord. But David, he will get back on track and be the man of God that he's called to be. And there's no need for him doing penance. No need for him to show God. He knows God well enough to know that God knows him inside and out, and he doesn't have to prove himself before God. There's a story of a little Catholic boy. We're not going to bash Catholics. <laughs> and this young lad, not so young, stole some plywood. His mom says, you need to go see the priest and go to confession. He's in confession in the priestess and, well, what did you do with the plywood? And he says, well, Father, I love birds and I built a birdhouse. The priest is sympathetic towards this. He says, I, I understand that, uh, you know, loving God's creations and building them a house. That's, that's not all bad. He says, Yes, but Father, my dad also built a garage with the plywood. A garage? He says, how much plywood do you need to build a, a garage? And he says, uh, well, quite a bit. He says, this is going to require some penance. And the young lad says to him, well, I don't know what a penance is but we got enough plywood to build one. <laughs> and therein lies a human truth. We can also want to do penance. I'm not going to read one chapter this morning in my devotions. I'm going to do four or five. I'm going to show the Lord I'm sincere. I'm not going to spend five or ten minutes in prayer. I'm going for a full half hour in prayer. Not only that, I'm going to be a courteous driver today. We can try to do our things that show God how good we are and how sincere we are. And our good behavior is only in an attempt to be self-righteous before God. Trying to earn God's favor. You cannot earn 
God's love. He already loves you to the max, fully and completely. For it says in Scripture, for while we were caught up in our sins, while we were still sinful, Christ died for us. Understand that God loves us before we sin, after we sin, while we sin. Even if we sin repeatedly, God still loves us. Jesus Christ is our penance. Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. What a beautiful thing that is. And God's love is beyond our understanding or our ability to earn. You can't earn God's love. He already loves you. David has sinned. David repents. And David moves on to praise and worship. And it says continually. Continually. Praise is to be a constant in our lives, not subject to our circumstance. Praise is to be a constant, ongoing part of our lives, regardless of our circumstances. In verse 3, David calls for worship from himself and others to God. He says, magnify the Lord with me. He's calling those around him, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt God. Let us praise God together. And in verses 4 through 7, David speaks of his repentance. And he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And God delivers David from all of his fears and from all the guilt of his sins. David realized his fears has brought about in his life shameful behavior, sinful behavior that he probably didn't think was there. But it's been brought forth. And David, now humble and contrite, he cries out to the Lord. Verse 6, he says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. And delivered him out of all of his troubles. David, it's been said of David and Saul, the difference between the two of them was David was quick to repent. Saul made excuses not to repent. So we have David, an example of a man after God's own heart and his greatest characteristic is not one you would think giant killer or something like this, but David was quick to repent. And in verse 7, we, we have the term angel of the Lord. And when we read of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it is a reference to Jesus. Exodus 23, and the angel of the Lord goes, goes before Israel and prepares the land of promise for them. Jesus goes before Israel. And here in Psalm 34, 7, it says Jesus, or the angel of the Lord, encamps all around those who fear him 
and he delivers them. Notice Jesus encamps around us. He lives and dwells around his people. If you have a high regard for Jesus, and if you truly respect and fear Jesus, then know that by his spirit, he is very near to you. He's very close to you. Near to comfort, near to deliver. Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. And he said of his spirit, he said, he'll be just like me. And Jesus, by his spirit, is our companion. And one of the names for the Holy Spirit, and I like this, is comforter. That friend who comes alongside us and gives us comfort when we need it most. In the next few verses, we have instructions. We have a challenge that comes from David, and it's a challenge to uh, mankind. And that's in verses 8 through 10 of Psalm 34. And I like verse 8 here. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. This is one of the most amazing guarantees, I think, in all of Scripture. God gives man a money-back guarantee here. You want to see if I'm really all that I claim to be? Taste. Give me a taste. Just try me out. See if it's not true. This is God speaking to man. Now, if you're like me, you'll go to a little ice cream shop, and they'll sometimes give you a little tiny sample and, uh, of the different flavors of ice creams. And they know that if you just taste this little sample, you're probably going to buy a cup or a cone of ice cream of that flavor. God in all his greatness and all of his majesty and all of his goodness also gives us an opportunity to sample him. Believers or non-believers, sample me. Try me out. See if I'm not all that I claim to be. This shows that God is more than willing to manifest himself to any person who is willing to just taste of him. God is telling mankind, try me out. Test drive me, if you will. And you'll see that I'm good. And if you see that, then you will be blessed. Blessing simply means to be pleasantly surprised at the goodness of God. You're blessed when you understand the goodness of God and his love towards you. 
in verse 9 here, the Lord, <clears throat> fear the Lord, you and all, I and all his saints, and you will suffer no wants or needs. Needs of your soul, needs of your spirit. That goes beyond the physical needs. David is speaking of eternal matters here. In verse 10, it states again how we will not lack any good thing. If you have a spiritual need, God will meet that need. If you have physical needs, God will meet those needs. But let's look at the physical fears for a moment. In this past week, we've experienced one of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history. That Las Vegas killing spree strikes fear into many lives. It was carried out by a demented, what we would call a madman. He killed 59 unknown people, 59 victims, and he wounded more than 500. That's horrific. Scores upon victims have had their life changed, dramatically changed. Changed from their day-to-day -day routine to a life now filled with bitterness, questions, sorrow, and a fear to be in public places by many people now. This Las Vegas killer changed lives for the worst with his premeditated random murders. All of the couch psychiatrists and news media, they're all puzzled by this barbaric act of killing. What motivated this man to do this? What made him want to kill people he did not even know? And then he kills himself. Our president was spot on when he called this act pure evil. That's all it can be said. It's evil. But we as Christians who have insight into good and evil, God and Satan, this man was like his father, the devil, simply said who was a murderer and a liar from his beginning. Our world, in my humble opinion, is becoming more and more subject to violence. I can't help but attribute this violence to Satan. I think Satan simply understands his days are short and that he must go about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's what he's doing. Satan and those who follow him have an agenda. 
and it's an evil agenda. And this world, it only has one remedy for all its violence, and that's the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And as Jesus' people, my Christian friends, be a disciple of peace. Speak forth peace. Pray for peace. We're told to pray for peace. Be part of a solution. For there's way too many critics already out there. And the critic only finds fault and inwardly they become very afraid. My daughter, who lives in Southern California, had friends that were at this concert. And Southern California is simply the mass population that goes over to Las Vegas for the partying and the pleasures. But she had a friend of a friend that came back from Las Vegas and she had a hole in her head. That close to death. That close to death. She wonders why she was spared. Others that were wounded are in shock and dismay. As believers, be comforting to those who are in fear. Be comforting to those who worry about raising their children in this world. Be comforting to those who can't seem to find any comfort. Offer them Jesus, the Prince of Peace. A kind and comforting word can go a long ways in our world today. Be like our Lord, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.